This is the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. What would it take for you to double your profits and half your stress with your intuition? Learn how with your host, Michael Light. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Russell Smith, content marketer, tea lover, and passionate side project creator, entrepreneur. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about how a large explosion in his hometown in China, in Tianjin, if I'm saying that right, I think I got it right there. Tianjin. You probably remember it was in the news. I mean, like it totally blew up the whole port and you were only like 900 meters away from it and it woke up Russell's intuition. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And that led to, to a journey across china 208 uh to 2800 kilometers away um to a town little known called uh, dali and um that's where this uh side project uh, eventually started after enough messages from uh russell's intuition had kicked in and um and he also had to overcome his mind telling him you should only focus on one thing in your business. Just do the work, even if it's a bit boring. Uh, when he really wanted to do this side project that was more joyful. And, uh, we're also going to learn in this episode why, why being comfortable is important in picking the right, uh, tea leaves. And, um, also about different ways you can access your intuition and how Russell accesses his intuition. And his now or never moment with this side project. And the importance of clear space and time in your life and business in order to be able to hear your intuition, as well as how Russell deals with being so empathetic, uh, even though he meets so many clients uh, and has people working for him and he picks up all their energy. So welcome, Russell. Thank you very much. Uh, pleasure to be here. So you, you mentioned that, you, I mean, I remember this in the news that there was this explosion in the port of uh, Tianjin and it kind of totally blew things up, probably killed a few people. And you were only like 900 meters away, you and your wife. Yeah, yeah we were, if, if anyone's seen the videos, then in, in all the videos, there's a few tower blocks silhouetting the sky behind this explosion. We were in there. We were on the 13th floor. <laughs> of all floors um watching why, TV, yes why did you pick about, the 13th floor <laughs> <laughs> well i won't be doing it again that's for sure um and uh we we got blown up i mean we were in the middle of the explosion it was it's very confusing at the time um and it's the only time i truly thought i truly thought this is the end of my life i remember i mean really we i had pictures in my mind of the tower falling down everything was in slow motion all the windows blew out the lights went off the wind hot wind was whipping through the room and it felt like the building was falling down and I, I remember thinking pretty much just thinking hmm that's kind of a shame I mean you know I'm not quite ready for this but <laughs> you know this is it and then all of a sudden there was no noise anymore I was still alive and, you know, long story short, luckily we escaped down down the stairs and um, absolutely unharmed, a couple of scratches. Um, but it was a wake-up call for sure. First time I've ever had to face any kind of emotion like that. Yeah. 
And did you get, you know, is is there some message you got from your intuition from this near-death experience? Or well, the clearest, did it wake up your intuition? Or? Well, I've, I've always been in tune with my intuition of the knowing, the deep knowing. Usually when I make decisions, I, I, I know what's right. But the very, very, very clear message after that, I think a lot of people would probably have the same message was, I don't want to die here. You know, this is not, there's, there's better places for me. There's things I want to do and it's time, um, time to embrace those things. So it made you pay more attention to your intuitive messages. You, you already, you know, got messages from your intuition, but now it's like, yeah, I really need to listen to these. Yeah. And especially towards doing things that are fulfilling, the work I was doing at the time was building websites for Chinese companies. That's why I was near the docks. Um, you know, a lot of um, manufacturing companies, export companies, quite dry. Um, and it really made me think there are other things in life, especially things I'm passionate about, things I'd like to put into the world. It would be very much a shame if my life ended when all those things are still just pipe dreams. Um, so I think it, it pushed me push me further along that that path that was the beginning of um chasing a business that i'm more passionate about yeah so you ended up moving 2804 kilometers across china you almost fell out of china you, you can't really travel much further in china from i mean just so people know tianjin is right next to beijing and you moved almost to the uh, Myanmar and thai border in the mountains yeah in yeah. dali I like to say it's about I mean, quite, as far away from Beijing as you can possibly be while still being in China. It's like we're very close to Myanmar, very close to Thailand, Laos and Vietnam, actually. So I feel like there's all these emergency exits just in case I need them. <laughs> just in case there's another explosion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I, I vowed I will not live above three floors ever again. I don't particularly like living away from, I guess, the earth. Anyway, I quite like to sleep mm -hmm. close to the mm -hmm. earth. It feels much more natural. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a de mm. defining fact. No, never again. No way. <laughs> well, that's great clarity. So we, how did your intuition kind of nudge you towards this town? Because I know it was really important you actually ended up there, but you didn't really know why you were going there when you went there, it sounds like. Well, we were looking for places because um, as much as, so me and my wife, my wife's Chinese. So we do enjoy living in Thailand and other countries, but there's always visa issues. You know, you always feel a bit like you're traveling, but we want a stable place to live. So we do look inside China um, because I've got residency there. She's obviously, an, um, you know, a local. So, And we're always looking around. I can't really find the right place. But there was something about Dali. It ticked a lot of boxes. It's got very clean air. The air comes from the Himalayas. It's not part of the same kind of ecosystem as the rest of mainland China. Um, so the air's coming down very clean, the water's very clean. And then there was there were a bunch of, of signals. For example, a long time I've wanted to learn or, or continue learning jujitsu. And then I found out there's a jujitsu school in Dali, which is a strange place for a certified Gracie training center. And I just thought, well that is interesting and i contacted the guy and he's very enthusiastic um 
and I have always been a tea lover for for a long time. And Dali happens to be an ancient, not ancient, a, an old kind of trading, uh, a very central location on the tea trade route. Um, it's a very good location for tea. Yunnan province is, by most accounts, the birthplace of tea, or at least of uh, refined tea culture coming from there. Um, and all these things just kind of stacked up. And there was I remember there was one day when me and my wife just kind of casually said, well, how about Dali? We could move to Dali. But then, you know, when... Sounds a bit crazy. Like, oh, it's kind of, it's out in the mountains. It is quite far from, from everything. But it was, once the idea was set, it kept coming back. And it kept coming back with more frequency. And then there's a jiu-jitsu school. And then, oh, well, I do like tea and the air is clean. We're not sure if the internet's so good, but it was a, it was a big roll of the dice, actually. The move was quite a roll of the dice, but it really paid off, actually. And I'm very happy about taking that chance, yeah. Mm. So at the time, you didn't have a side business. You didn't even know what side business you might end up with. And you you were, this town picked ticks and boxes, and you were interested in the jiu-jitsu school there. So tell me about this jiu-jitsu school. It, it, it'd been there for a long time, or what, what was the... It hadn't been there for very long. It'd been there for a few months, less than a year. Um and it was a very strange location. Uh, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is uh, a very kind of world-famous system of Jiu-Jitsu. And at the time, it was the only certified Gracie training center in the whole of China. And it's out in the middle of nowhere, you know. Um, I think that only had a handful of students. And actually, one of my friends had previously visited there. He didn't know there was a Jiu-Jitsu school. And he just said, man, there's this jiu-jitsu school in Dali. It's really weird, but it's kind of cool. And since he said that, it stuck in my mind. Um, and the, f- the, the strange thing was I, I trained there for three or four months. I actually achieved my first belt. And almost immediately, the, the school closed down. And it's gone now. It's not there. It's not there today. <laughs> wow. So this was one of the things that attracted you there to go to this particular town because you could have gone to any town in the in the west of china really uh that was far away from the pollution there are several and, others, yeah and it's almost as though your intuition conjured up this jiu-jitsu school for a few months just to kind of entice you into moving to darling <laughs> and then once that its job was done it could go away Poof, it's gone who knows who knows isn't it strange there yeah, well, life moves in strange ways. Um, so you you ha- you still had your your content business, and and you you were hearing messages from your mind rather than your intuition telling you to stick to it, even though you weren't really, you know, it wasn't really giving you the full measure of joy. A bit boring. Yeah, talk, talk I a mean, bit more about that. Sure. So. My content business is the one, the main business that's always been there since day one that I've been working online. It worked from the beginning. It made me my money. I became location independent. Um, it's fantastic, really. Changed my life. But there, my, my motivation for that kind of business is very up and down. I have two or three days of being passionate, then I have three or four days of not feeling passionate. So, um, 
my plan at that time actually was really to focus on the content business 100%, um, increase the value of the services, make it focus on recurring revenue packages, outsource more of uh, the research and the work that goes into it. Um, this was my main focus. I decided to do that. Um, and it's a very logical decision, I think. And I, I agree with it. I still agree that if if my main goal is to grow that business, then what that business needs is 100% focus. Um, if that's my goal, I still agree with that. So when this opportunity to, to build a new business came up, then the mind, the mind decision, the intellectual decision, I feel is choose one, you know, it, what's it to be? And obviously because the content business is what pays the bills. Um, so intellectually, I felt that I should choose that one. Now, when you say it pays the bills, you, you're talking about the, the bills uh, in dollars and cents or, uh, you know, whatever currency you collect the money in. But what about the bills in terms of satisfaction and joy? Was it paying those bills? Well, I mean, I have to answer yes, um, because it gets me the result that I want. It gets me my life. It pays for the lifestyle. It pays for my uh, flexibility to move away from towns where there are explosions and move to <laughs> places in the mountains, as you know. So from a gratitude standpoint, of course, fantastic. However, the the turning of the gears, I would say, is not it's not very it's not extremely happy it's not an amazing i don't feel like i'm extremely happy to do those things you see and i think the comparison that we're drawing because we because we have spoken several times is that since i've been doing the tea company uh, which i did decide to start it is extremely pleasurable to do those things i, I it's it's i wake up in the morning and it's it's not it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I can't wait to see if I've got any emails. I can't wait to reply. I can't wait to go the extra mile to write a handwritten note to design the packaging. Every single every single thing that happens in that business feels like pleasurable creation. It doesn't feel like work at all. So this is the comparison that I think you were meaning to draw mm. there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, maybe this business, you know, if you look at the profit and loss of your tea business, maybe the the dollars are not as big as your other business. But if you look at the profit and loss joy account, you know, how much joy does each activity in this business bring me? You know, what activities drain my joy? It sounds like you've got an outstanding profitable winner there. In terms of joy, absolutely. Yeah, I fully agree. Yeah. So, how, how did you, you, you were in Dali, and how did you decide to start this business with the tea? Well, I've been thinking about selling tea for over two years. Um, I remember I had a call, uh, a kind of mentor call with a guy called Kevin DeWalt, and uh, he, he straight up, he asked me a question. He just said, look, Russ. If you could do any one thing, if you could just choose something right now to be doing with your life, what would it be? And without hesitation, I said, sell tea. 
I want to sell tea. Mm. Um, that doesn't require thinking for me, actually. And so he said, okay, imagine there's this cake of puar tea in front of me. Sell me that. And I simply couldn't. And, um, and I know why. And I know why I didn't start a tea company is because this particular hypothetical cake of tea, I don't really believe in that tea. I don't actually think that he should buy that tea from me. There's no particular USP or reason why he would buy this cake from me. I would actually prefer to sit down with him, talk about Puar, and help him find a reliable distributor. I really would, um, because I, I like tea that much. So for two years, this was my thinking. I don't see why anyone would buy tea from me. Um, and the difference with this situation, why... I know that I have to grab this situation is because I had the opportunity to go to a tea plantation in Dali. It's very fortuitous. My wife made the introduction. I was actually fairly reluctant to meet the guy because I was very busy with my job and I really didn't have time and I complained, but there I was and, and I went and, and the tea is absolutely fantastic. I went out to this plantation and it's the best tea that I've found for my own personal drinking. Um, it ticks all the boxes that I personally would like in my tea. Most importantly, it's clean. Um, the plantation has never been farmed before. The plantation covers the entirety of one mountain top. So there's no runoff. There's no other farms that could interfere um, the climate there is incredible. The wind comes from the Himalayas, incredibly clean. The water comes, you know, from the mountains there. And that's, so th th these, these are all good things. There's an added bonus, which is that the guys in that plantation are actually from Taiwan. And Taiwan has very nice high mountain oolong tea, which is not a typical tea that would be grown in Yunnan, uh, processed in Yunnan. But these guys are processing Taiwanese varietals in Yunnan, and this is kind of like my favorite tea from Taiwan is being processed here in incredibly clean conditions. And so, okay, tick, 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 tick. And it tastes fantastic. I taste the tea and I think, okay, this is really some tea that I want to drink myself. But then I sat down with them and started to talk. And the way that they talk about the tea, I was very surprised because I haven't heard a lot of Chinese guys talking this way. And what they say is, the very, very first consideration that they have, well, the, the, the very first consideration is no chemicals at all. The, the plantation is biodiverse, so there's other grasses, there's other trees. We've got apple trees, pear trees, walnut trees. We've got birds and insects, whereas a lot of um, plantations would kill the insects. They'd kill the other grass and just focus on the tea trees, let them grow big and strong, but because of the chemicals they use. But these trees are left to the fend for themselves, as it were, with a bit of healthy competition. When trees die, they let them die because they think, well, that, tea, that, that tree wasn't strong enough to survive on its own, so we don't want to make tea from that tree. Why would we want to drink weak tea? Uh, which blew my mind when I hear them talking like this. I think, I agree. I mean, I, I really do. Fantastic. So this is their first consideration. Must be clean, must be genetically strong. The second consideration is when we prepare the tea, when you drink the tea, does it feel comfortable? How does it feel? 
And that really speaks to me because I'm a very big, I, I feel my way through life. Um, and a lot of people I know when they drink high-end tea, at the beginning when you drink tea, you focus a lot on the flavor and the fragrance. But when you drink tea for a longer time, you begin to focus more on how does this tea make me feel. So when you choose a tea to drink at a certain time of a certain day, I'm looking through my collection thinking, what's the feeling I really want to get from drinking this tea? Um, and their big consideration is how does this tea make me feel? Does it feel comfortable? Does this tea make me feel good? And I just thought that is, I'm so glad that that's their number two priority after being clean. Number three priority is then how does it taste? How does it smell? Which for a lot of plantations, that is their number one priority at the cost of the environment, at the cost of their own personal health, um, you know, chemicals in the tea. So um, I think that's actually a problem in the tea industry because um, tea is such a popular drink and the, the chemicals it takes to grow all this tea for global consumption, I think mm -hmm. it's quite, quite an unsustainable industry actually. So this blew my mind. So yeah. So if I'm just getting a, a a bag of Lipton tea, it it probably was grown using chemicals in a non-sustainable way that is polluting the water and and the tea plants aren't really cared for. They're kind of treated like slaves to be uh harvested. I would say Whereas most the, likely without yeah. <laughs> And that sounds kind of uncomfortable to drink. Now you mention it, I've never really thought about it before. Uh, and Lipton tea flavor is okay, but it, you know, it would be like buying three dollar cheap red wine versus a connoisseur wine. It sounds like there's a whole high level tea drinking culture that I'm missing out on. Well, the the wine comparison is very good actually, um, because the wine. When they process wine, a big consideration is what they call terroir, or in, in Chinese, qi hou, which, which means the, the whole environment, everything in the environment, the nutrition in the soil, the location, the air, the water. Um, and that's why you have very famous wines from famous regions. And it's very much the same with tea, actually, with growing tea leaves. So you, you came to your now or never moment. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, when I found the tea plantation, my honest goal was I want to drink the best, cleanest tea that I can find. So I went to find this tea and I sat there and I actually visited two times and I talked to the guys and I, I made friends because it's like my personal stash. I want to get right to the source and know that I've got the best tea available on tap for myself. It was only when I sat there and I listened to them saying these things. I just thought this is what they're doing for me is that they're listing my business USPs. I should be taking notes. I'm, I'm thinking this is the best sales pitch I've ever heard by these casual guys sat around the table just explaining how they process tea. And it just came to me every single, you know, when a picture comes into focus and you just think every single piece is there right now to sell tea. This is the tea. This is the location. These are the USPs. This is VT. So when I was on the call with Kevin DeWalt and he said, sell me this Pura cake. And I just said, I can't, I can't sell you that cake. There's nothing in that cake. I don't believe that you should necessarily buy that cake. But when I sat there drinking that tea, I thought, this is 
I believe that everybody should drink this tea. I would love all my friends and the people I don't know to drink this tea. And of course, that conflicts because I probably a, a week or two before that, I'd made a strict decision. I was going to do the content business. I'm in a mastermind. And uh, I remember my specific goals were, you know, complete this autoresponder, you know, um, complete this client work. It was very, I, I'd, I'd really talked it up with the guys. And now here I am. And we end up in that situation where my head says, no, be strict. Stick to the plan, right? Stick to the content business plan. You've made a commitment. It's guaranteed money. It will work. There's no risk. And the wheels are in motion, right? And focus, because you have to focus. And I do believe that still, even to this moment, I do believe that. And yet, the more feeling side is just saying, this is absolutely it. If you're going to sell tea, this is it, and this is the time. And... then a decision has to be made. And, and why was it that, you know, now or never for you? This is where I just absolutely know that it's in all the pieces are aligned. I can't really put an intellectual um, mind. I can't, I can't say exactly intellectually why. It has to be now, but I'm absolutely sure that if ever there was a time that the option for me of entering the tea market and achieving that dream of selling tea, and that's what I do with my life, um, there's no question. It's so, I, I just feel it with, um, you know, when I, when I use uh, my intuition, when I, I feel, I make feeling decisions, it's like, the first part is that the whole picture comes into place and I don't necessarily see all the details, although if I do zoom into the details, they make sense intellectually, such as the USPs, such as the reasons for selling it, this kind of thing. But actually I feel I take more of a zoomed out landscape snapshot and everything is crystal clear. And then mm. I can see the path. So is that how you hear your intuition? You, you get an, an inner knowing that, yeah, this decision is right or this decision is wrong. Yeah, it's, it's a knowing. It's a clear mental visual picture. Um, it's, it's, and, you know, it, it's, it's a knowing that no matter which mental acrobatics you perform, say I, I'm going to sell this tea. Then I go home just thinking, come on, man, you made a commitment to the content business. Then, you know, you lay in bed at night just thinking, is this really? No, no, no. You, you should do this. You should do that. But every time you go off on this mental um, escapade, you come back. And the knowing inside is like a core, unmovable, unshakable. It's, it's like it's already in motion. It's happening. You have to accept it. And move with it. Um, that's that's how I feel, anyway. So, well, that sounds uh, you know a useful way to get your intuition that you just have an inner knowing that that this client is a good client for my business, or this one's not good, or this hire is going to be add profit and joy to my business, and this one won't. Well, it's interesting. 
I'm, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm quite glad you have this podcast, actually, because I think it's really interesting to combine the intuition with business decisions. It's not something that I'm so used to. Um, I've used it more in the past for, say, relationship decisions, very much so for relationship decisions and uh, moving. I've lived in Thailand. I've lived in China, um, moved around some quite a few places and I use my intuition for that. Usually when I make a decision about that, as soon as the question is asked, I know deep down, I know the answer. Then I do the mental evaluation because I think that's very important to weigh up the costs and the reality. And almost without fail, I come back to the original knowing that it doesn't change. And usually it's been a good decision. There have been times when I've gone against my judgment um, and they were mistakes actually um mm. so when you went against your intuitive knowing those turned out to be mistakes uh, i'm kind of curious when you moved to the 13th floor of that apartment building in uh tianjin that you had the explosion in did you check in with your inner knowing uh, on that one well here's the thing or was I that mean, a purely mental analysis i can i can honestly say that Almost every single day I got in the elevator, I looked at the 13th floor. I had to press the button 13. And it's, I don't even know where this idea about the 13th floor comes from. It's some horror movie. I I've got no idea. But every time I did, and I think probably a lot of people would be like that. I can't really claim that as an intuition. But, you know, when you just, I mean, I, I lived there for three months. And every time I just thought, 13th floor, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. I'm not sure if that's a good idea. <laughs> And then they blow me up. But um, it was a bit of a rush decision. When we moved on to the 13th floor, I didn't think about it. I'll be honest with you. It was very quick. And we just moved in. The apartment was good. Okay, we took it. So I didn't take the time to check in. That would be the answer. Do you, do you when you move to a new place now for your business or, or your home or whatever, do you, do you check in to see if the space is good now? Or? I believe I should take more time actually to to check in with my intuition usually i'm using it i'm using it on the fly i'm using it as i'm walking as i'm thinking as conversations are happening but i don't sit down for 10 minutes and think what's the outcome usually when i do do that then decisions work out better and i've made bad decisions where i allow other people's conversation and things to move quickly. People are ushering me into rooms. Very good, very good. No worries. Oh, don't worry about the street noise. Don't worry about the construction noise. And I think, oh, yeah, you know, I tend to not like offending people. So sometimes I allow that momentum to pick me up. I feel very disappointed with myself when I let that happen. And I have let that happen a few times. Um, whereas if I, I know if I, if I took five or ten minutes just to sit down, I most likely would stand back up walk back to them and say i'm sorry this just isn't right um this is something I, I should do more often actually so being able to take some time helps you make better in decisions because you can hear your intuition or get the knowing of your intuition together with some time to contemplate any rational analysis uh, about the situation yeah absolutely i'm um on a personal level, I very much need alone time. I feel that when I'm alone and everything's quiet and I have control over those elements, that then I'm instantly in tune. 
actually, then everything is very clear and I, I become quite happy. And I find that's a really good place to create from and that's where most of my good ideas come from. So more and more I'm taking to the practice of just making sure I have alone time. Um, right now I'm speaking to you from Thailand and my wife is still in China and I'm here for a good two months alone in a, in a small room but I need it. This is actually a very creative time for me and it's where I plan to do a lot of hard work. Um, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling and I'm, I'm glad that my wife is, uh, she accepts that. She knows that about me. Um, I become very agitated when I'm, when I'm with other people. I find I can't think very clearly. Um, so actually the process, I've seen a few other entrepreneurs writing about this recently um, where actually the, the act of cultivating quiet, alone, private time, because our world is much more, it's much busier these days with, you know, this, I mean, you, you can wake up and you've got a hundred messages from everybody. It's very difficult to have alone time. Um, so the act of cultivating this alone space, and I think that's a big reason why meditation is very helpful for entrepreneurs, because it creates uh, internal quiet time. Um, and I, I believe Especially, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience, but that's where ideas come from. It's ch the good ideas are the ones you tune into. They're there. They're available. You, you become quiet and you relax and suddenly you're in tune with those ideas. This works for me anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, that works for me as well. Um, I mean, it's almost like we're traveling in a car with our intuition being the passenger while we drive. And they're whispering quiet things saying, you don't really want to drive to, to this place. You need to go somewhere else with your business. But we've got the radio turned up playing loud rock music and we're not hearing them. <laughs> Plus, we're checking all our messages at the same time while we drive. Uh, and no wonder we don't hear that intuition. But if we just pull over to the side of the road for 10 minutes, get quiet and hear what that intuitive passenger next to us is saying, we may get some insight. And in your case, you got insight to start another business that brings you so much joy uh, that you want to get up and, and work on it all the time. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. That's a really good analogy. Um, someone's next to you and they're speaking. They're always speaking. Even if you're noisy or if other people are noisy, they're speaking quietly. And what are you missing in that noisy time? You know? And that's why it's important to cultivate quiet time um, on a daily basis with meditation. But then um, for me personally, I like to have weeks, two weeks here, one month here um, to really get back in touch and I guess listen to those those pieces of advice, which you're free to, to take or not. And and for people who you know don't know how to meditate or don't can't take two weeks in a quiet space, just going into the shower and not turning on the radio while you're in the shower and taking quiet time there. Often people get great ideas in the shower or go out for a walk, but don't bring your phone with you. Absolutely. You know, don't Fully listen agree. to music. Don't text while you walk. Just walk quietly in a, in a park or somewhere where there aren't other people. It's okay to be bored. That's sometimes when the best ideas can pop up because you've turned down the radio in your car. 
Absolutely. Or it's like if you have a blank page, so, there's the opportunity to write something on that page. But if you've got a page that's packed with notes and gibberings and texts and apps, I mean, how you, 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 you have no space to create something new. So we talked about clearing out time. What what about the importance of having clear space? Does that help you in in hearing your intuition as well in your business? You mean physical space? Physical space, yeah. Does that make a difference? Do do you find you get better ideas in certain rooms and certain places? And other places, it's just impossible to think clearly. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say two things to that. The first thing I'd say is that the my living space. Things should be packed away. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to sound too kind of strict or crazy, but things should be packed away for me in the wardrobe. The door should be closed. The things should be in the drawer. And because the less noise I have around me, the less things are calling for my attention, it's much easier to relax. You instant re- instantly relax in, a, in a, an empty, that's why Zen Buddhists will have a very, very empty room with a tiny table and a single mat and one cup, and they go there to drink a cup of tea um, because it's not distracting. And the, I think the issue that's difficult with that is um, that when it's not distracting, then you are forced to look inside, and often what you find inside is not particularly pleasant. It might be very, very noisy. So the external distractions are much more comfortable. It's the, whoa, I don't want to pay attention to that stuff. It's very difficult at the beginning. Um, And the second thing that I would say to that is I personally find different buildings, different rooms have very different energy. Um, It's another thing that I'm sure frustrates my wife when we're looking for apartments, but sometimes it's just not this one. I can't work here. I can't think here. I literally feel like there's a... Like my mind is a radio and it's tuned in and I walk into a particular building and static. And I say to her, I can't think in this room. <laughs> and she must look at me like I'm crazy, but she, she's very understanding, um, which is fantastic. Um, but that's the absolute truth. And, and then some rooms I walk into and I just, wow, I can work here. This is a place I can work. And I, I don't have any particular criteria. Well, I've got a lot of criteria. <laughs> yeah. So for other entrepreneurs who, who may not have had this experience of feeling the energy in a room, how, how exactly would you go about doing that if you've never done it before? The, the energy that I focus on is, is, is actually quite simple. Gut, there's, there's two things. First is gut reaction. Just gut reaction. How does it feel? Does it feel good or not? I mean, it's, it's either a yes or a no. Does it feel good or not? And gut that, reaction. And that's an instant instant thing you get in the first few seconds in the room. Oh, yeah, that's instant. I'd say timeless. Nothing to do with seconds. It's instantaneous, you know. It's just a yes do or you, a no. Do you, I mean, just an interesting question. Do you think you even have to go visit the building or could you just look at the listing on a website and then connect to the energy of the room and say, no, this one's not good. I, this one, this other I believe one feels I have better. to physically be there. I've definitely had experiences where I've seen pictures and I think that looks fantastic. And as soon as I arrive, nope, <laughs> sorry. You know, I, I think it's a physical thing, a uh, physical presence. Yeah. 
Um, but the second thing is body feeling. Um, I'm very interested in how my body feels and that's why meditation helps too because when you meditate you close your eyes and the only thing you have is, is internal and you start working with just how do my hands feel, how does my legs feel, how do, you know, what, how do I feel when I breathe in, how do I feel when I breathe out, are there ways to improve that feeling and so you start to have a very um, specific understanding of how you feel when you feel good. And how you feel when you feel bad. Because every day you sit there for maybe five minutes, maybe 20, maybe one hour, who knows. Um, and you just look at how you feel in different times. And so you, you end up sharpening that tool so that when you walk into a room, you just like, whoa, this is the bad feeling. You know, this is not what I like. And I don't know why. I can't put a, uh, a, um, a mind understanding on it as such at this time. Um but that's how I sharpen the tool anyway. Mm. So you've worked, you've deliberately worked to improve your sensitivity to energy. I enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic feeling. I love that feeling of being sensitive. Yeah. Sensitive to smells, and, sensitive to feelings, language, people. And so you pick up messages like when you visited that tea plantation, you probably picked up a lot more than someone else who hadn't worked on their sensitivity and intuition yeah i've never felt that i pick up language messages i've heard people say very much that I, I think you told me michael actually that you get specific language messages in your mind you'll have you'll hear words mm -hmm. and i've never had that yeah i've never been able to put words into it i get shades of feeling <laughs> shades of meaning which i'm mm. not sure if other people would necessarily understand um, and that's my kind of knowing. I just, I, I feel like, you know, that the, the health aspect is up and the, the positivity is up. And I feel in terms of light and dark or pure or cloudy. And so, I mean, as we're talking about the tea plantation specifically, when I went there, I felt that everything was positive. Everything was light. Everything was clear. Uh, these kind of feelings, just as I walk around and every word that everyone's mm. saying, I'm thinking that is exactly what I think. Like that's in tune with, uh, you know, I like that. I like that. I like that. So these are the kind of, that's the kind of uh, realm that I work in. And I don't even really put words on it. It's, it's difficult for me at, right now when you're asking me to put words on it. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's like a symphony or, or an orchestra. Sometimes everything is in tune and everything is... Well, just, just, yeah. um, just imagine, just hold up your hand and imagine you're broadcasting that feeling of that wonderful room to everyone listening here. <laughs> Feels good. Just as an experiment for all of us, you, me, and then the people listening, and just see if people can pick up that feeling of, of how that room felt to you. I'm doing it. <laughs> I mean, I, I get what you're transmitting. You, we don't have to say things to, to communicate always. Well, I think speech can I, be I know slow. that's a little radical for a podcast. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I think speech can be slow. I mean, I'm not sure about um, between more between two or more people. Like, And I don't mean I'm not sure as in I doubt it, but I mean I'm not sure as in my exact opinions on the matter. Um, but for me, internally... I think language is incredibly slow. 
and incredibly inadequate. I think it takes a long time to describe what we're trying to describe. I mean, how long have we been talking for several minutes? And yet it's an instantaneous feeling for me. You know, it, it, it simply is. And it's simply all those, all those feelings and ideas, they exist. Um, and it's just a matter for me to tune into them. So that's why I enjoy uh, becoming more sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great that you're doing that, both for your personal growth and to, so your businesses can be run more joyfully and easily and profitably. Because you, you may pick up on stuff before other people would. You know, you might pick up on the mood of your team uh, or see an opportunity, you know, be aware of it, get a knowing on an opportunity that other people would just miss. Mm. So. Well, see, I, um, yeah, I really like this. I'm going to actually, I'm going to tune in more in in the business realm i think i'm gonna i'm gonna consider this more i haven't considered it so much i guess i always consider business to be a bit more dry <laughs> why do we do that i'm not sure but um probably so because other business people have told us that or all the teachers at school told us that you know when you work it's supposed to be a bit boring it's all spreadsheets yeah spreadsheets and agendas but you know, you know just just think about why school was invented. You know, school was only invented, modern school, you know, about 150 years ago in Germany. And and why was it invented? Because the German army needed recruits, um, you know, conscripts who were able to read and write and follow orders. They didn't want farm laborers who who not only didn't know how to read and write, but wouldn't necessarily do what they were told. So what the German school system, which the American and British copied and many other Western countries, you know, we have lessons that start with a bell and end with a bell. And you're supposed to like be interested in English literature for that period of time. And then you're interested in history and then geography and then math. But that isn't how the brain necessarily works. If you're interested in a novel and you're really into it, why would you stop when a bell rings? You know, I mean, it's almost Pavlovian. You know, train people to to obey the bell um, and have the expectation that the work shouldn't be that enjoyable. You know, school's not supposed to be that enjoyable. And it's to train people to work in factories and to work in the army and to do things they don't really like doing, but to follow orders anyway. Hmm. Interesting. Just a crazy thought to stick in your head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me... I mean, I, I love the fact that we have education. It's a wonderful opportunity to have the learning. Um, but the issue, and I don't have a solution, is the way that, for me, the issue for me is people have very different learning styles and very different interests, but we only really have one mainstream option for education, which very much suits some people and, and, and leaves others out. I don't necessarily... It's not a big issue for me as such. I don't have a big, uh, I don't have any solution to that. But um, that's my take on it. So, having improved your sensitivity, is is there a downside to being so empathic that that you pick up so much energy from other people? Well, the world is very, very busy. It's it's very hard to particularly that. Particularly the part of the world called China. <laughs> well, there is that. Yes, there is that. For someone who loves peace and quiet, I think, I, I mean, 
because culturally they're noisy. Noise is nice. Noise is good in China. Um, mm. And it is very noisy, so it is tricky to carve out private time. Um, or private space. Private space, private time, time to think. Um, yeah, it is tricky. It is tricky. Um, that's why meditation is very important. And that's why choice of a place to live is very important. Because sometimes, you, especially when you're traveling, you end up in a room where they have 24-hour lights outside. It's very distracting. Um, but for me, I love to wake up early. I have to carve out my own time. So the morning time is everything. When I go to bed, I put the phone on airplane mode. Then I wake up. And my ideal is to wake up early, 6 o'clock, meditate, drink tea, and then do some work, some really good, high-quality work without distraction, and then turn the phone off of airplane mode when the time is right, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. You have to carve out that time. That, that's what works for me, and I feel much happier when I, I follow that routine. I don't want a very complex morning routine. Um, the most important thing is time, quiet time, and then I allow the, the world to come in after that. I have a little life hack that I use related to the getting off the computer and phone. I, I bought one of those little uh, timers you can, you know you use to control the lights that would turn them on you know at a certain time and turn them off, you know things like that. You can just get it at a hardware store and I just put the Wi-Fi router on that. So the Wi-Fi here where I'm living, 11 p.m it goes off and 6 a.m it comes on and um, it just gives a hard stop to to stuff, and also I find I sleep better when I don't have all that Wi-Fi energy running around the bedroom. Um, yeah, I I so. truly do as well. I truly do. I've slept in houses before where they shut the entire electricity down at the house, or when there's a power cut, mm. and it feels different to mm. me. It really feels different to me. It feels much. Everything feels a bit heavier. But that's nice. It's a relaxing. It feels more relaxing and more cool. Much easier to to sleep. <laughs> um, I've heard a lot of other people report the same. Yeah, I mean, I I even find that uh, if I'm if my bed is next to a big electrical cable, which it was in a house I used to live in, um, I I didn't sleep as good, and I moved my bedroom to another room in the house that was farther away from where the main. You know, you know where you have that big electric cable that comes into your house or apartment. I, I moved the bed away from that, and I actually slept better. And I and I got you can actually buy a little meter that let, sees where this big electrical stuff in a house or big radio frequencies, like the back back of refrigerators, is really bad, for example. Um, or if you've got uh, you know wiring that's been done wrongly, of course that never happens in Chinese construction. But, of course not. Uh, you know that can give off a lot of electrical frequencies that just make it make it can make it hard to think and, and are, you know can be unhealthy as well but um so you know there's a lot of directions to take this um but coming back to you know you, if you work on improving your empathy and and being able to pick up subtle things um you know how how do you turn that off you know when you need to This is something I need to work on. I think um, I'm somewhat at the mercy of it 
tends to come and go. This is one of the challenges is that I enjoy, for want of a better phrase, going with the flow. I enjoy allowing myself that when I feel very sociable and active and fast, I like to go with it at that time. And it's completely unpredictable, but I enjoy that. It feels like nature itself mm. is manifesting through the way I behave. And I, I, very, I do not enjoy forcing myself to be active when I feel calm and slow. And I don't enjoy when I am trying to calm myself down, but when I feel active. Um, so it's kind of, you know, sometimes it syncs up with the world and everything is bliss. And sometimes it's the complete opposite and I feel miserable. So I don't actually have any tools for that. Well, maybe you could uh, suggest something. <laughs> Well, there are many ways that you can shield yourself from other people's energy when you need to. Um, you know, visualizing a golden egg of light around you is one way. Um, cord cutting always helps, uh, which I talk about in my book, Intuitive Leadership Mastery. Um, a, a way I use is to visualize six doors around me. So imagine there's a door in front of you, one behind you, one to your left, one to your right, one below you, and one above you. And then just firmly shut all six of those doors and cut off other people's energy, um, you know, coming to you. And then if you need to pick up, you know, if, if you're interviewing someone or you're talking with a potential client or whatever the situation is and you need to pick up their energy, you can just crack one of the doors open a little bit for the 10 minutes or however long you're talking with them that you want to be able to pick up their energy. And then when you're done, you firmly shut the door so you're not continuing after the meeting to still pick up their energy. Because I find if I meet with someone, particularly if they have a very strong personality, you know, their energy is banging around my psyche for the next several hours, you know, if I'm not careful. Definitely. So, mm, I agree. You know, so, so that's, you know, some techniques. I mean, on the physical level, take a shower or... Um, you know, if you have a bath, take a salt bath, you know, get by some Epsom salts if you can get those in the country you're in or, or even just regular salt and, and bicarbonate of soda or, you know, baking powder as they call it. And just stick a, a few cupfuls of that in a bath and just relax in there for 10 or 20 minutes and that will clean other people's energy off that you've you've picked up. So those are some of the methods that uh, you can use. And you can also ask yourself, you know, what would it take for me to be able to separate my energy from other people's when I want to and just see what your own intuition has to say for you. You know, maybe you have your own unique method. Yeah, I like the what would it take method. I think that's... Did you come up with that? Did you get that from somewhere? No, it's been around for at least 20 or 30 years. I learned it from Christy Marie Sheldon, but, you know, it, it was around before that. If you Google for it, you'll find it. It's been around quite a while. But it, yeah, it's a very clever question. Just it, it just it's like doing a Google search on your intuition. You know, what would it take to solve this problem? And then your your intuitive mind just kind of pops up with different solutions, uh, which may come to you in different ways. I mean, in my case, I hear the solutions, but you may just get a, a knowing, or maybe a coincidence comes into your life, or you know, the information comes through an explosion in the port outside your apartment <laughs> building on the 13th floor. Loud and clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully you can dial down those intuitive messages just a little bit. You know? <laughs> I got the message. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. 
but everyone gets their intuitive messages different ways, you know, and it's okay, you know, you don't, just because you don't hear things from your intuition, you get a knowing or an alignment, that's totally fine. And, and other people see things, you know, they, other people have dreams that are very vivid and, and they give them, you know, they might have dreamt that they were going to the western part of China to grow tea. Right. You know, yeah, I've heard about other people, people who do that. Yeah. Other people do free writing where they start with a blank piece of paper every morning and just write for 10 minutes, even though they don't know what they're going to write. Um, you know, other people draw tarot cards or roll, uh, you know, runes, dice that they, they interpret for messages. Um, you know, there are, or, or seeing messages from animals. You know, if you see a strange animal, um, in your life that, you know, wouldn't normally be there, you know, there's possibly a message from that. I mean, there's a, there's a whole book on that called, uh, Animal Speaks by Ted Andrews, if, if anyone's interested in that. And that, you know, if you've seen an animal you don't normally see, or it's doing something strange, or there's a strange number of them, you can look up what a potential interpretation of that is and see if it resonates with you and makes sense in your business situation. So, um, you know, don't be attached to how the intuitive information comes in. And having said that, just like you've kind of been in the, in, in the intuition gym, you know, by meditating and, and tuning up your sensitivity to your inner knowing, um, you can do that for the other senses. You know, they, they may never be as strong for you as the inner knowing, but you definitely can learn to hear voices. Hmm. And oh, you mean you mean the other things. intuitive senses, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's sort of like the physical body. You know how people go to the gym and they work on their legs or their butt or they work on their biceps. And obviously, you could go to the gym and, and only work on your legs and never work out any other part of your body. And, and your body might look a little different from someone else. <laughs> but anytime you can go choose to go work out other pieces. But you you know when you first go to the gym and you've never like done heavy lifts with your arms and it's really hard and you're like, I don't know how I can even do this, you know? Uh, and and really you have to start with the small weights, right? You have to start with the, what do they call it? Is it a bell bar? I, I forget what they call that thing where they stick the, the discs on the end. Yeah, the barbell. But you know how you can, you see sometimes people, the barbell, sometimes you see people go into the gym and they're lifting it and they've got like a teeny weight on the end. It's like they're not really hardly lifting anything because they're just starting out. And the same thing with tuning our intuitive senses. You know, if you've never used this before in your adult life, you know, maybe you need to start out with some small things and be okay that it might be a bit of a challenge and it, you know, you, you might not get clear reception to start with. Um, but the more you do it, the better you get. And, and also, I encourage people to have an intuition journal, you know, where you write down decisions and all the intuitive messages, whether it was an alignment you had that the 13th floor was a bad idea or that being in um, Darling was really good or this room feels really good or hiring this person. You know, I heard a, a message on that or I had a dream the night before that it was going to be really successful and joyful. Um, you know, you write all that stuff down together with any rational analysis you did, but then you review it like a month or two, you know, every month or two you look back and see, oh, okay, now I get what my intuition was trying to tell me, you know. So um, those are some ways to be, go to the intuition gym. Uh, and, and right, and you might, you might see which one's 
which ones are, are working for you every time and which ones are not working so often, right? Yeah, which which channels on the Intuition radio station do you get good reception on? Do you get good reception on alignment and knowing, or is it on hearing things or seeing things or, or other ways to get messages? And then, you know, you can, t- you can try and improve the different ones just for, for, you know, just for out of interest. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you're getting the intuitive messages one way, you don't have to get them another way. There's no better way. And then the other thing that often happens is that, you know, if you talk to young children, they often have imaginary friends that they talk to, you know, and, and they, they quite often see things that adults can't see. And do you know what the adults usually say to those children? What do they say? Don't be crazy. Right. Don't be crazy. You know, you can't, you don't talk about having imaginary voices in your head. We'll go lock you up in the loony bin. Well, they don't say it quite those words, but generally it is not encouraged. Well, we tend to, I mean, can you, can you, yeah, we tend to be moved away from that into adulthood. We grow out of it. We, those things get left behind. Well, I think it's not we so much grow out of it, it's that we train ourselves not to listen. But it's entirely possible to, to re-listen to those things um, or re-see them. But you have to overcome the, the concern that you might be going crazy. <laughs> it's a real concern. And the concern that other people might think you're crazy. Yeah. So a, a lot of the work in improving business intuition is unlearning things that we, we picked up from our parents or schools and letting go beliefs that get in our way and, and just looking, is, is this particular tool useful? You know? I mean, it, it would almost be, you know, I talk a lot about how my vision is that in the future, if an entrepreneur didn't use openly use their intuition in their business it would be like today if an entrepreneur said oh yeah we don't use spreadsheets in my business i don't allow my staff to use spreadsheets they're they're too newfangled and dangerous you know we don't use the internet you would think they were nuts because and it's not because there's anything magical or, or wonderful about spreadsheets it's just they're useful it helps you get the business done quicker and the same with intuition. If you get a knowing that this office building is not right for my business and you avoid signing the lease on it and then having a total disaster there, and, or you avoid hiring someone who's a bad fit uh, and you don't waste the extra month dealing with their bad work and then firing them and all the demoralization it causes in the other staff, you, you're going to be like 17 steps ahead of the other businesses who just do everything rationally. Mm. Well, it reminds me of a presentation I saw by Stephen Covey uh, called The Speed of Trust, where he was saying when there's trust in the relationship and deals can be done much faster than if every time you have to go back over all the details and dig up everything and, you know, do your due diligence again and again. Um, and I think trust is uh, is quite connected to intuition, you know. Do I trust this person? Yes. Yeah, because if you don't trust someone, you're using up a lot of energy and bandwidth, double-checking their work and or, or deciding if the business deal is going to screw you over or not. Mm. So maybe if intuition um, in general if, comes in as more of a, a tool to be used, then it's definitely speed up the decision-making process. 
but you'd have to tune into it because you wouldn't want to make a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> you know, I think the sometimes head and, and the we heart. have to slow down to move faster. Sometimes you have to take a 10 minute break to make that critical decision in your business and get into a quiet room and have quiet space so you can hear your intuition, so you can leap ahead by making the right good decision quicker instead of filling up your mind with lots of emails and, and analysis of the decision, but then not making the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree with that. Well, this has been an incredible conversation, Russell. Um, I, I'm looking for, I know you sent me some tea in the mail from China yes, to Peru. Sir. So I'm looking tea. forward to, to seeing that. Yes, I, I'm looking forward to feeling comfortable. Well, I would be really interested in your opinion on the energy of the tea. Um, since you're so tuned into it, well, I, would it feel, be I can very feel it right now. I mean, it feels kind of sparkly. Can I use that as a testimony? I mean, I don't have to have it. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can feel it. I can feel the energy of the tea you sent. I don't have to drink it to, to detect that. You know, I can tell. Yeah, it feels kind of alive, sparkly. Um, it, it's like uh, it's just got a joy of life in it. It's like the little tea leaves are like jumping up and down, saying, "Yes, drink me." <laughs> I'm using this. I, sure, no worries. Thank you. Very <laughs> and I'll, much. I'll I'll actually check it out physically, but you know, my personal belief is we don't have to. I don't have to connect with someone or something in order to pick up intuitive information about them. You know, I, I'm a spiritual being with a body, not a human being who occasionally has spiritual experiences. And I can reach out my knowing and sensing to anywhere in the universe, anytime and and any time period. And, do you think do you think the signal stuff. the signal is weaker with distance? No. There, really? there is no distance. Distance is an illusion. Okay. That in in like the spiritual it's... realm, there is no distance. You have to be able to connect to it. But I mean, you know, they, they've done, you know, I forget what university this was at, whether it was the Princeton Pear stuff. I think it was the Princeton uh, Pear thing, you know, where they did the experiments into psi skills. And, you know, they've had people do remote viewing where, you know, remote viewings where someone has a blank piece of paper and they're told, okay, here's an image somewhere else. It could be in another room or it could be on the other side of the world. And they're supposed to draw what they can't see, right? And, you know, people who are skilled at that can actually do it with a remarkable degree of accuracy. And it doesn't matter what, where in space the other thing is. And it doesn't matter where in time the other thing is either. Um, and suffice to say that the you know the you know some of these people got sucked up into into the CIA and other places because obviously if you can see what's in a room on the other side of the world in another country even though it's locked up and secret you know behind concrete walls that their military doesn't want you to see and and someone is able to pick up information about that as a very valuable thing and the same in business you know if 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 you were able to see how the competing tea company processes their tea without even visiting there, that's quite a useful little skill. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, really, the, when, we, when we use these spiritual skills and we are all one, there are no more secrets. 
but maybe that's a conversation for another day i think that sounds <laughs> that sounds like a part two <laughs> yeah there you go yeah well have a fabulous evening in thailand and um you know, I really have enjoyed listening to, to your whole story and journey of moving from near Beijing all the way to the other side of China to start a, a side hustle business that brings you a lot of joy. Um, you know, creating tea that other people are going to feel comfortable with um, and good about drinking. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for having me. I think it's a really interesting podcast to to connect the intuitive thinking and decision making with business it's something that i do want to do more and more consciously you know especially measuring as you said i'm going to take that into account and uh as you know i've i've got one sticky on my wall already what would it take what would it take to have this level of uh, enjoyment in my content business that i have in my tea business i think that's a great question um, uh, that's a genius question it'd be a fantastic and it's a question we all can ask in our businesses you know we all have and and even if you don't have a side business everyone has some area of their business that brings them joy and other areas that are kind of boring and you can just say okay what would it take to bring that level of joy that i get in doing the marketing in my business into the accounting you know or, or whatever the two areas are and just see how that is or or suppose you get joy from from doing yoga or cooking or whatever and that's your passion what would it take to bring that level of passion and joy into my business so great question russell ask a good question hopefully get a good answer (laughs) yeah all right cool thanks everyone for listening and uh see you again or hear you again next time Get strategies and show notes at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. What would it take to see you here next time on the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast?